Good evening, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome to session number 199 of Exploring the Lord of the Rings. Um, we are uh, narrowing in on our 200th class, which may, we're going to get reasonably close uh, to the departure of the company for the South. Um, so that's. Um, uh, Anyway, that's going to be really exciting. We're getting close to Christmas, of course. It's Christmas Day. Uh, will be Christmas Day uh, when they set out. Um, but, of course, that's before we... Uh uh, not Christmas Day in our time, uh, but Christmas Day uh, there. Yes, Nancy, this is um, the uh, <laughs> first time I'm getting old. I'm officially old now because uh, I, uh, I I'm wearing my reading glasses on stream for the first. I'm kind of like it's you know I'm like coming out with my glasses here. Um, I've actually been cheating with them for some time, but I've been not using them on stream. Uh, but um, I've come to the point where, like, I can't even anymore. So, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing my old man glasses. Probably will be from now on. So, uh, um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so there we are. Uh, I've never had to wear glasses of any kind my whole life. So I've been really lucky for most of my life. But uh, now, uh, age creeping up with me here. <laughs> but um, anyway... Okay, so, but let us get quick announcements, uh, mostly moots uh, for the announcements. I just wanted to remind folks, we've got New England moot coming up very soon indeed now. Uh, we are only a week and a half away from New England moot in Durham, New Hampshire, the 25th of September. Um, uh, that's I'm doing uh, uh, a lot of detailed planning of our uh, the digital the remote part of our moot now for our hybrid moot. It's going to be really fun. Uh, so looking forward to seeing folks who can attend and to um, uh, uh, seeing as much as I can of the folks who are attending remotely there as well. Um, however. Um, the uh, uh, the, our other our second moot middle moot uh, is coming up soon thereafter, and I don't want to. I know it's it's easy for me to kind of focus on New England moot because it's coming up first, right? But uh, middle moot is happening only two weeks after that. So everybody in the Midwest, don't forget about middle moot this year. Uh, middle moot is going to be back in Waterloo, Iowa, like it was two years ago, um, and uh, really excited to see folks again there. Also, we will be able to. Um, uh, we'll be able to uh, have uh, we'll be doing that in a fully hybrid way as well. Um, but Mike Drought is speaking at Middlemoot. Mike Drought is speaking. It's going to be awesome. Mike is always uh, a wonderful uh, speaker. Um, so he's going to it's going to be Mike Drought talking about philology. Really cool. So if you can come, uh, if you're anywhere in the area around Iowa, um, then uh, you can if you can get down to Iowa, then you can come and you can meet Mike Drought in person. Um, if not, you can attend 
learned uh, digitally and uh, hear his address and it's going to be really cool. So anyway, you should definitely check that out. We have um, uh, you can go to signumuniversity.org slash events uh, and find our middle moot page. Um, also, I think tomorrow is the deadline for proposals for presentations uh, for middle moot. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely look into that um, uh, ASAP if you want to be involved there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So and then November 6th is going to be Baymoot uh, out in Berkeley, California. So that is uh, uh, that is getting closer as well. So. Um, the other thing that I did want to remind folks of is that we are now eight days away from starting the nature of Middle Earth. Um, the, um, the nature of Middle Earth subtitle, Tolkien likes math. Um, so <laughs> uh, help us crunch the numbers uh, and uh, take a deep dive into Tolkien's later world building. Um, it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. So please, so uh, so we're we're doing we're starting this uh, with the Mythgard Academy next Wednesday. So next Wednesday night, not not tomorrow, but the week after that, uh, Wednesday, September twenty second, a date that I hope you take note of. We will be starting our discussion. We're going we're to begin by discussing the first five chapters. The chapters are really short. If you've seen them already, I know it's Frodo's birthday too. But Jordan, of course, Frodo in his own writings in the Lord of the Rings has biased me towards thinking of it as Bilbo's birthday. Um, but um, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Cook of Wood Minor, yeah, th- this is, you know, you just bought the book and it's the first one you'll be reading along with in real time. Yeah, I'm actually restricting myself. I'm not reading ahead. Um, so we're going to discuss the first five chapters next week, and I've only read the first five chapters, so don't tell me anything about the rest of the book. We're gonna, I'm going to be, we're going to be kind of discovering it together, and I'm excited to uh, um, uh, uh, to 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 discover this uh, with you guys. Um, so anyway, it's going to be it's going to be fun. So the nature of Middle Earth, uh, Nathan. If this is the first time you're hearing of this, let me just Tolkien sort of. This is edited by Carl Hostetter, but it's it's actual writings from Tolkien. These are notes uh, and revisions and things. Basically, this is from like the 50s and 60s, primarily 1950s and 1960s after the Lord of the Rings, when he was in that prolonged period of reworking the Silmarillion material. Um, you, if this is a wonderful follow-up from the uh, Morgoth's Ring discussion that we did last year, um, and it's that extended period of time in which Tolkien was really digging in and doing world building, really consistent world building, and he was changing a lot of the rules and a lot of his ideas. You will see as we began to see uh, in Morgoth's Ring, and as I think I already in chapter 5 can see even more clearly, uh, only just in chapters 1 through 5 of The Nature of Middle-Earth, why he never rewrote the Silmarillion. Because so much, he was going to change so much. Like the entire world is sort of changing all around it. So, um, Anyway, we're um, uh, we're 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 going to be digging into this stuff. So this is all this is, and and this is so exciting because this is the first time since the Peoples of Middle Earth was published, the final volume of the history of Middle Earth. This is the first time in decades, decades, that we have gotten brand new Tolkien Middle Earth material that we have never seen before, and that is just unbelievably exciting. Um, yeah, Cook of Wood Miner just uh, uh, did a um, uh, 
provided a link to the uh, Ask Me Anything that Carl Hostetter did on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, it's funny, Cook. I'm... Um, um, I'm actually going to do an Ask Me Anything uh, on Reddit, uh, on the same thing, the uh, Tolkien fans Reddit, uh, subreddit there. Uh, I'm going to do an Ask Me Anything there sometime, probably later this month. I haven't, I need to decide on a date, but um, I'll let you guys know when the date's going to be, but I'm going to do that later on this month. They just invited me to do that. It's going to be fun. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, okay. So again, I don't have the link for that yet, um, but I'll, be posting that it'll probably be posted tomorrow is my hope um uh we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a, a slightly experimental interface uh for the nature of middle earth class that's gonna be entertaining but anyway um we'll that'll be tomorrow so but next wednesday september 22nd is going to be the date we'll start our discussions of the nature of middle earth so all right um but let's jump back into the text here. Last time we were looking at the passage of time and then that fascinating description of that red star in the southern sky, balefully looking over the edge, peeking over the edge of Rivendell, right? And glaring down at Frodo, uh, showing us, I still suspect, more about Frodo's own uh, sort of imaginative frame of mind than about uh, Hobbit notions of astronomy. Uh, that is, I, I really, I, I, I still believe that he, Mars uh, was what he was seeing in the sky. Um, but again, I, I don't see any reason to believe that the hobbits necessarily unilaterally, generally, you know, culturally see Mars as, um, you know, particularly baleful or, or, or whatever. Um, that I think was was an association by Frodo that he was associating it with the Eye of Sauron. Um, uh, in that moment, I think you know, had he not been contemplating a journey into the south, into the heart of the Black Land, in order to cast the Ring into the fire, he probably wouldn't have made that association. I think with Mars in the same way. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Nathan, I am not, I, I could believe that it's a star. I, I'm, I think it's probably Mars. Um, I think it's probably Mars, both because of the color um, and because of the sort of singularity of it, right? It's not mentioned as in the context of any other constellation. Um, it is, of course, possible. There are some other red giants in the sky that are visible and look reddish to the naked eye, like Aldebaran, uh, for instance, um, which I think was suggested last time. But um, I would not believe that it's Betelgeuse. Of all of the stars that it could be, I would say that it, I would, I would not say um, that it's Betelgeuse because Orion is the constellation that we've already um, that we've already seen. Um, yeah, Red Borgil, uh, I believe, uh, is is over there, and he didn't think about it that way. But but remember, Orion is you know Menomachar with his shining belt. Um, that is uh, one. It's an anti, well, not anti-Sauron, anti-Morgoth constellation, really. But um, uh, anyway, <laughs> I didn't mean singularity in that sense, JJ. Uh, I'm not suggesting that Mars is a black hole. Um, but uh, anyway, anyway, so um, it's, um, 
anyway, as I say, that's why I, 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 I so I do think it's Mars, but I, it almost certainly couldn't be Betelgeuse um, because he would not be associating it. And Borgil, I believe, by the way, to be Aldebaran, not Betelgeuse. Um, because, of course, Aldebaran being in Taurus is right next to uh, Orion. Um, so when um, when Red Borgil rises and then Menelmachar with his shining belt, I, I think that um, um, I think that Red Borgil is probably Aldebaran uh, is has always been my interpretation. But um, anyway, OK. Um, but that's. <laughs> That's not what we came here to talk about tonight. Uh, so um, now we get into we go from the moving of time and begin we begin to think be to begin thinking about um, geography. So off to the journeys of the scouts. The hobbits had been nearly two months in the house of Elrond, and November had gone by with the last shreds of autumn, and December was passing when the scouts began to return. Now let's pause here for a second, um, because this, of course, picks up on some of the discussion we had last time about the um, uh, about the the progression of time and their consciousness of the progression of time. Um, and I think it's fairly clear that um, now it's a little bit hard because you could say, well, this is written by Frodo or Sam, probably Frodo later on after the fact. Right. And so, you know, he knows in retrospect the date when they set out. And so in describing this from afar, right, like from his sitting room in Bag End uh, after they return to the Shire rather than during, you know, in this time in Rivendell, he knows how many months has gone by. So the fact that it says November has gone by and December was passing doesn't prove that they were aware of that. And yet the description of it, I think, does suggest it. We saw that in the last passage, they were very aware even in a sense, perhaps more aware than they might have been in the Shire. I'm not sure about that. I don't think we can prove that. But um, anyway, certainly no less conscious of the passing of the seasons, right, of the changing over of the seasons. And we're getting that again. November had gone by with the last shreds of autumn. Um, we were looking at the change in the quality of the light. We were looking at um, autumn rolling in and rolling out. Right. As they're uh, as they're sitting there. Um, and I, this seems to me just to be sort of continuing the same thing. That is uh, before the description didn't have any dates attached to it. There were no calendar references uh, in the earlier passage, the ones we were talking about last week. So this sentence as a transitional sentence seems to be kind of glancing back over that same passage of time that was described in the previous section. And now it's attaching calendar bits to it, right? So that, uh, you know, calendar references so that we can actually see uh, the uh, the time the time passing here um, yeah yeah um, fourth dauntless exactly this stands in contrast to the beginnings of spring coming in Lorien without Sam the gardener even noticing yes yes exactly um, and I wonder if he would Frodo the narrator that is would even describe it in this way had they had that same experience of you know, when it comes mid-December or late December for them to be like, wow, like, you know, I, you know, I remember we were there for three or four days, but I, I would swear it had never been two months or three months. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
but anyway, now the scouts are beginning to return. Um, they'd been nearly two months in the house of Elrond. Yeah, sorry, I was skipping the time that they were on the road between Rivendell and uh, Weathertop. Uh, I was thinking of Weathertop at the beginning of October in my head when I said almost three months then. But of course, I was skipping over the time that they spent on the road. Um, so yes, they'd been nearly two months in the House of Elrond. Um, now we've got the scouts beginning to return. Some had gone north beyond the springs of the Horwell into the Ettenmoors. And others had gone west, and with the help of Aragorn and the rangers, had searched the lands far down the Grey Flood, as far as Tharbad, where the Old North Road crosses the river by a ruined town. Many had gone east and south, and some of these had crossed the mountains and entered Mirkwood, while others had climbed the pass at the sources of the Gladden River, and had come down into Wilderland over the Gladden Fields, and so at length had reached the old home of Radagast at Rosgobel. Radagast was not there and they had returned over the high pass that was called the Redhorn Gate. The sons of Elrond, Elidon and Elrohir, were the last to return. They had made a great journey, passing down the Silverlode into a strange country, but of their errand they would not speak to any save to Elrond. Okay. Um, all right, so let's map this, because I don't want to do this in my head. So, Scout... Set number one. Some had gone north beyond the springs of the Horwell into the Ettenmoors. Okay, so I have a map. Um, so here we are in Rivendell, right? Um, they've gone north. So this is the River Horwell. The River Horwell, you'll remember, is the one that's crossed by the last bridge. Uh, the one where Glorfindel left his stone. The one where Glorfindel found several servants of the enemy waiting there, and they withdrew and he pursued them, remember? Um, so this is the Horwell. So the source of the river Horwell is way up here in the Hithyglir, that, that is the Misty Mountains, um, uh, up north. And so the Etten Moors, as you can see, are just north of that. And so that tracks with what was just described here. Beyond the springs of Horwell into the Etten Moors. So this is where they go. So these go north. Now remember, Gandalf had said the land up here, which looks blank, right? Uh, I mean, on, on the Middle-earth map here, we've got the Trollshaws and a little forest down here. But notice that this this map is very uh, narrative-centric around here. That is, we get lots of the detail, almost every detail of the path of the narrative, right? So, like, here's Hobbiton and the Brandywine Bridge and the Old Forest and the Barrow Downs and Bree and even the Chetwood and the Midgewater Marshes individually labeled, right? And then the Weather Hills and Weathertop and the Last Bridge, right? And, you know, so that you can, and the Trollshaws with the forest that they emerge from in order to get to the Ford of Bruinin, right? So you can see that almost everything that's mentioned in the narrative, almost every geographical portion that's mentioned in the narrative is, is sort of labeled. So this, this middle part in the area of Rivendell, as I say, is very kind of um, narrative-centric, um, Above north of Rivendell, on this map, is just a blank space, essentially, between Rivendell and the Horwell. But recall that Gandalf told us that this terrain up here is so bad that he had to, he had to like, dismount. He had to, he had to let go of Shadowfax. Shadowfax couldn't even go with him. Um, in that, which means, I assume, there's, like, climbing that has to go on, right? Um 
uh, up here. Like, you know, again, it's it's just like not horse country, right? You can't even ride a horse through there. So the scouts are going presumably on foot, right, uh, through this very rough terrain all the way up to the Horwell and up into the Etten Moors, uh, which, of course, is troll country. Um, so all the way up through. So, and notice, so they're going more than halfway to Angband, right? Or uh, Angband. No, that's further north. Angmar, I apologize. Uh, more th- they're going more than halfway up to Angmar of old. Um, if you see, like, they're literally about 60% of the way to Carndoom from Rivendell, right? So this is, this is uh, a long ways, right? Um, a long ways north that they're going, all through rough and very dangerous terrain, um, and all on foot, okay? All right, so that's our first leg. Now, let's go back. So first, I just want to see it all on the map, and then we'll think about it. Because my question is going to be exactly, Flamma, for what you're saying. Why are they doing this? Um, that's what I'm hoping we can figure out. So, okay. Uh, next. Others had gone west, and with the help of Aragorn and the rangers, had searched the lands far down the Grey Flood, as far as Tharbad, where the Old North Road crossed the river by a ruined town. Okay, so we're talking about here, Tharbad. So the, the Gwathlo, the Grey Flood, um, that's where the, the Bruinen and the Horwell come together, right? So those two, the one that's crossed by the ford and the one that's crossed by the last bridge, merge, right, down here uh, in, uh, you know, more southerly or central area door, right, and become the Gwathlo, the Grey Flood, um, which is a pretty significant river. Which, here it goes, comes down all the way uh, to the river. This was a major uh, navigable river for the Numenorians. This was an important river in Numenorian days, in the Second Age, when they were coming uh, to Middle-earth. That's why there's, like, no more forests down here, uh, and there used to be. Uh, But anyway, uh, that's a different story. So Tharbad is here at the crossing. So, yeah, Nathan, they traveled that far and back. Um, really far. This is a long journey all the way down to Tharbad. And note, they don't just go straight down to Tharbad, I don't think. Like, it's not like they're just, like, following the River Bruinen and then, you know, keep following it down to Tharbad. They go west. So, like, some went north to the Antimors. Some go west and explored the lands as far as Tharbad. So, I think, and we're talking about Aragorn and the Rangers here are the ones that are helping with this. I believe that they're basically covering this whole triangle of land, basically between the road, right? This is the Greenway that comes up north, and there's a separate road that crosses by Sarnford and heads up in this direction, right? Um, Sarnford over the Brandywine, which gets alluded to several times, but of course we never actually see it. Um, but anyway, this, this, uh, this kind of triangle of land between the Greenway from Tharbad between uh, between you know so bordered on one side by the 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 greenway between Tharbad and Bree the east west road and the gray flood um that's i believe the area that they're scouting Aragorn and the other rangers here primarily i agree Drasnik they're probably looking for Boromir's horse of course fruitlessly because it went home um but um uh, anyway, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Bricktails, you're right. On the afternoon after the council, Aragorn left with the sons of Elrond, but in this description we have Aragorn south and west with the rangers and the sons going over the mountains. Yeah, they did leave. It didn't mean they went in the same direction or like that they just went to the one place. Um, You know, he was, I don't know. He didn't go with them um, all the way to where they were going. But anyway, that's a, it's a big, it's a big area for them to cover here. But that's the, so we got the northerly ones who go up to the Ettenmores, the southerly ones who go down to, towards, all the way down to Tharbad, we're told. All right, okay. Uh, Many had gone east and south, and some of these had crossed the mountains and entered Mirkwood, while others had climbed the pass at the sources of the Gladden River and had come down into Wilderland over the Gladden Fields, and so at length had reached the old home of Radagast at Ross Gobel. Okay, first we get some had uh, crossed the mountains and entered Mirkwood. Okay, so here we are in Rivendell. I assume crossed the mountains and entered Mirkwood means straight across the mountains, like due, due east from Rivendell, right? So over the high pass up here. Right, so some of them just crossed straight over the mountains, and went on into uh, Mirkwood, right, uh, south of the Carrick, across the old ford, and like on the old forest road or something, right? Um, and we don't know exactly where they're headed, but that looks like that first group that we're seeing through there, right? But then there was a second group that went south first, right? They jogged south a little bit and then went over the mountains here at another pass, coming out by the source of the Gladden River, which is down here about halfway between, um, like, you know, the Carrick and the High Pass and Dimrill Dale down here in the south, right? So they went over here, and they went down the Gladden River to the Gladden Fields, which are right here, and they went down, and then they met Ross Goebel. Now, Ross Goebel's not on this map, but it's down around, it's down around here. Right. So. Wait, did I not say the Gladden River? Um, yeah. So, OK. Anyway, Ross Goble is somewhere around here. So we, we got some that just make a beeline for Mirkwood, by which I suspect they it means going to actually talk to the um, to the wood elves in Mirkwood. Right. Um, I mean, it doesn't say that. It just says um, some of these had crossed the mountains and entered Mirkwood. <laughs> Maybe they didn't come back. But I mean, we, we, we're told they're coming back. So, But apparently they entered Mirkwood. I don't know how far they went into Mirkwood or why. We don't know why they did any of these things. But again, I'm assuming that those who made a beeline for Mirkwood didn't just go to the edge of the forest, look around and turn back. They They entered it, right? So if you're entering it up here, uh, this is the northern half of Mirkwood. And so I assume that it's, um, you know, getting in touch with Thranduil and his people over there. We're not told that explicitly, but I'm going to go on and guess that they actually connected with, you know, the allies in North uh, North uh, uh, Mirkwood over here. Those who went down the Gladden River, they went, I don't know that they were necessarily like that Ross Goble was their 
purpose, like the whole point of their trip was to go to Roskobel. Um, but certainly we have at least three separate portions of this land, um, you know, the Anduin Vale, right? Where the Great River is running between Mirkwood and the Misty Mountains gets at least three different sets of scouts, right? As we'll see, we've already seen two of them, the one that goes straight into Mirkwood and the other that go down here. So clearly one of the goals would seem to be to kind of cover this land in particular, this land along the river, right? Okay, so they're headed down here to Rolf's Gobel, which exactly, as several of you are pointing out, is not far from Dol Guldor. Um, okay, now what else have we got? Um, had come down into Wilderland over the Gladden Fields, right, exactly, Rolf's Gobel. Radagast was not there, and they had returned over the high pass that was called the Redhorn Gate. So they had come south after crossing over. So instead of retracing their steps and crossing that pass, because apparently there is one, up by the source of the Gladden River, they had come back down by Holland, down here, right? By uh, uh, Dimril Dale um, and the Redhorn Pass, which is down here by Moria, right? Um, so that would track, right, if they came down, crossed over here, came down south to Ross Goble, so they're now much further south. Instead of heading back north, they went straight back west across the Anduin Valley, thereby, by the way, going across another slice, another big slice of, um, of the Anduin River Valley, right, and then crossing the mountains again there. Okay. Um... The sons of, El, of Elrond, Eladan and Elro here, were the last to return. They had made a great journey, passing down the Silver Load into a strange country, but of their errand they would not speak to any save Elrond. So they had passed down the Silver Load, which is the Celebrant here. So they, I have to assume, actually went down all the way through Eregion and presumably went over the Redhorn Gate. I don't think they went through Moria itself. Um, uh, so it, um, they must have gone over the Redhorn Gate, which was just alluded to, right, in the sentence before, um, when they went down, and they went down the Silver Load into some strange country roundabouts. Um, you almost have to conclude that that's Lorien, right? I mean, like... What stranger, um, what stranger company would we get, right? Uh, than uh, than than that. I mean, I I I I assume that they've gone down there, right, to Lorien. Um, and it's interesting that that's called a great journey. On the one hand, it is. I mean, it's further south than any of the other scouts go, um, but I don't know, like. You know, in miles on foot, did the previous dudes who went down, crossed over the mountains, went down the Gladden River over to Ross Goble and then back up over the Redhorn Gate and back up to Rivendell actually go less far? Then, then maybe I'm a little bit, but I'm not really sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree, Jordan. It might be a great journey qualitatively, qualitatively rather than quantitatively, perhaps. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, in any case, it was um, it was a strange place. Now, Tessa, I agree. It doesn't say that they went to Warren. It just said that they went to a strange land. 
so what are our options here? They went to a strange land. Um, they could have gone to Fangorn. Fangorn's pretty strange. So that would qualify. And they would have to go, I guess, down the Silver Road to get there. Um, but, um, I, yes. And that's a greater journey in the sense of being longer, for sure. Um, so that's possible. They could have gone and continued down uh, to the Brownlands for reasons best known to themselves. Um, that would be a greater journey also and has the advantage of first having to go down the Silver Lode to get there. But it's the reference to the Silver Lode in particular it seems to me almost inescapable that that's um, Lorien. That they got to, um, but um, yeah, yeah, um, it seems to me to mostly fit. Um, yeah, I agree. The the Occam's Razor answer is is Lorien uh, for sure. Um, but um, but let's um, let's go back and answer the try to answer the other questions here. All right, um, this is a lot, right? I mean. These are really long journeys. Um, I mean, like, look, uh, down here, I zoomed in a little bit, so I don't have the whole map on my slide here. But um, we've got uh, the Rauros way down here in the right-hand corner, right? Um, and the Dead Marsh is over here. Mordor is just off the corner of my slide here, right? So they've gone more than halfway on the entire journey uh, that the company's going to go on. But more importantly, of course, as we know, remembering ahead, it's Eladon and Elrohir's trip, which would seem to be almost exactly, as somebody was saying, a dry run, right, of the company's trip. Um, down, through Eregion, over the Redhorn Gate, that's plan A anyway, down the silver load and into the strange country, which it seems was always their purpose, always their plan um, to go to go down there. Um, but um, yeah, exactly, Drowsnake. That's exactly it. Um, of course, they didn't anticipate. They just they, they didn't uh, anticipate Moria. Um, so so yeah, I, I I one of the, there are a couple reasons. They are the ones whose secrecy is singled out. Right. Um, that they went on a great journey. And so I kind of like the idea of its being great, not merely quantitatively, but, but not merely quantitatively, but qualitatively as well. Right. Um, it is a great journey. It is the most important of all of the scouting trips, because I think this is the plan. Right. I think this is that they're scouting plan A, basically. Um, Eladon and Elro here say, all right. The goal is to go from here to Lothlorien, right? And then continue from there down the Anduin. Um, so uh, so let's see. Let's see what the route between here and Lothlorien is like, um, how manageable that is. But they're not going to talk about it much because this is, this is the secret, right? Um, the last thing they want is for anybody to suspect that that was actually the dry run, right? Um but at the same time, if they went to Lothlorien, it also explains the secrecy 
of their errand, they would not speak to any save to Elrond. Um, because I'm betting you that they talked to Grandma while they were there and that she had some message or other. Um, we will. We know that when we get to Goandriel, she has had news. Um, she is expecting them. Um, and I it's, think it's pretty clearly from Eladon and Elro here that she received news of them. So she's been waiting for them ever since Eladon and Elro here left. Um, and I don't doubt that she has had some... Um, um, has some messages that she's sending back home to Elrond with Eladon and Elro here, which are for his ears only. Um, they wouldn't speak to any one of their errand. And the errand is a really interesting word there, right? Not of their mission, not of their the results of their scouting. Um, they had an errand. Um, they're the only ones who seem to have an errand. That is like a destination, a job to do, a task to perform and not merely... Um, you know, land to look at, right? Land to to to, to look over. Um, exactly, Bard. Going to Grandma's house is more of an errand than a mission. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, Ray. Exactly, it is a communication between two of the three. You know, the holders of the three elven rings. Um, absolutely. Um, uh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, the messengers of Elrond pass by Lorien on their way home up way home up the Dimral Stair. Yes, and that is could be also the other ones. Uh, that is the ones who went to Ross Gobel uh, as well. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, okay. What is the message? What does Galadriel have to contribute to this discussion? I don't know. Um, but it really does seem to me most likely um, that um, it really does seem to me most likely that they um, that this was plan A. They were scouting this and they were talking to Goadriel to plan this uh, as they were preparing to head south. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Gandalf and Aragorn are aiming for the Redhorn Gate um, and thereafter the Silverload and Lorien. Um, they know which pass they're heading for. Like, that is a decision that is clearly made before they leave uh, Rivendell. Um, and whatever it was that Eladon and Elro here found on their journey and heard from Galadriel when they got to the end of it, or to the middle point of it, I guess, um, apparently confirmed the plans uh, for them to head down in that direction. Um, yeah, I have to imagine, yeah, there's a pretty big old briefing, uh, uh, Bjorning in Exile, that they had to do, right, uh, about the council and what happened there. Big news. Lots of big news at the council, from the council, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um Yes, Cook of Wooten Minor. I don't. Th I think that there is good evidence to believe that the telepathic communication of which Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf are manifestly capable um, does not happen over those kinds of distances. I do not think um, that Galadriel and Elrond can just get on the horn 
and talk to each other telepathically between Rivendell and and um, and Lothlorien. I think there are several pieces of evidence uh, that um, that had to uh, that 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 does not happen. Um, so yeah, I think that they definitely had to do the uh, briefing. Um, you're right, Ray. Of course, it was Cal- it was Caliborn that they're briefing. Uh, I, I forgot. Yeah, it was Caliborn. Obviously, he's the Lord uh, of the Galathrim, and so he's the he needs to know these things. Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, so yes, Mouse. It does seem, and Mouse. By the way, congratulations on catching up uh, to live in the class. It's very exciting. I saw your note about that. Um, it it does seem that the scouts checked out the mountain passes, all the mountain passes before they decided to go. I mean, again, we've got evidence that they checked out three of the three separate ones, right? At least three. Um, the high pass that leads to the Carrick and the old Ford. Um, this other pass that we don't know anything about, but which apparently exists that leads to the sources of the Gladden river. And then of course, uh, the red horn gate or the dim stair, which leads over down by Moria. Those seem to be the three primary ones uh, that they were that they were looking at, um, and they seem to have scouted not only the three of them, but also, as I said, most very thoroughly, this area basically between the Old Forest Road and Lorien. Um, you know, this whole all of the Anduin River Valley uh, between those two points. They've uh, uh, traversed pretty. Um, pretty thoroughly, pretty, pretty carefully there. Um, so, Eldon and El- Elro here aside, who seem to have had a special errand, um, which again, I, I have to believe is briefing Galadriel um, and getting her advice, as well as checking out the prospective plan A route um, of uh, of the company when it heads south. Um, what's the point, right? What's the point of this whole scouting expedition? This is a massive quantity of country for them to travel uh, for scouting purposes. What exactly are they looking for? Now, Gandalf had mentioned... Um, uh, Gandalf had mentioned that they were looking for evidence of the Nazgul. Right, exactly. Fort Dauntless. Um, they have to ensure the Nine aren't lurking around. That's exactly what he said. Right. Um, that's a pretty thorough search. Right. Um, they are checking over a wide radius. Amethorn, I also think we can see a lot of evidence that they're looking for other movements of the enemy, right? Um, as several of you were pointing out, the Ross Gobel trip, doubtless, is also um, scoping out what's going on in the greater Dol Guldur region, right? Is there evidence of or because remember what they learned at the what they learned at the uh, the council, right? About orc activity in Mirkwood from Dol Guldur. Um, remember the orcs who rescued Gollum were heading down to Dol Guldur and we do not go that way, says Legolas. Um, so um, they sent some folks 
who go that way. <laughs> they sent folks down in that down that way, right? They didn't go to Dal Guldur as nobody goes to Dal Guldur. You don't just walk into Dal Guldur. Um, well, Gandalf does, but um, not often. It was a big deal when Gandalf did. Um, so, um, okay, so yeah, so they're checking to see: uh, Are we amassing armies? Right? Is is he planning an invasion? Is is what what what's happening? down there. Um, are they going to be walking into a trek? Because, I mean, look how close to Dol Guldur they're going to be headed. If Plan A is down the Caliborn through, I mean, into Lorien is good and all, but you got to come out the other side of Lorien, right? And then look where you are. If, uh, you know, this whole area is like an encampment of, um, of the enemy, then, yeah, you don't want that. Now, um, uh, Tessa, I would say I know you were a little skeptical that they only went to Lothlorien. If I, I that they went there I, down the Silver Load, I think is manith- the strange land down the Silver Load is I, that's Lothlorien ten times out of ten. I, I don't think there's any uh, really likely other possible interpretations, uh, or at least probable interpretations uh, of that sentence. But that doesn't mean that they did nothing else. It's conceivable. That they went past Lorien over towards Dol Guldur. Um, they might have done some of the closer scouting towards Dol Guldur. It's right across the river and down the way, right? Um, but um, anyway, so they quite likely, um, uh, they quite likely did, I, who knows. But in any case, the Ross Goble people at the very least, they ha- they're checking on the movements of the enemy around Dol Guldur. Um, what are they checking on down here in the Tharbad direction? Well, remember when Gandalf went south, he was passing whole bunches of people heading north, right? Now, um, Butterbur suspects that although some of the refugees who are heading north are just poor bodies, um, some of them mean no good. Um, and I think that the wise of Rivendell are wise enough to think, to wonder, after hearing Gandalf's story, um, how many of those folks coming north up the Greenway from the greater Isengard area are actually refugees? How many of them are spies of Saruman? Is Saruman, in fact, even going to move armies to the north? Because they know that he knows that Gandalf knows where the ring is and that if Gandalf didn't have it on him, it's going to be up in the north, right? Uh, In the greater Shire region. And so any military action from um, Isengard, which is very possible because, of course, he saw all all the orcs and wargs and stuff there in Isengard, um, it's um, uh, it's that's just how they would go, right up the Greenway, um, and Tharbad is where they would cross the river, uh, presumably. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, good. Mad violinist is uh, kind of working this out. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Cook was saying Tharbad is a militarily strategic location. Yes. They would be able to tell at Tharbad whether or not any 
significant movement of troops had come through that way. Because it's the only way that troops could come into the north from the Ended Wife down in the south. Um, so yeah, yeah. They're, uh, one of the things that they are presumably checking to, hey, uh, is Saruman invading? Because remember, these are largely empty lands, right? I mean, an invading army could go quite a ways without anybody knowing that it was there, right? I mean, like, I, I mean, how many days south of Bree would uh, an invading army get to before it was spotted, right? Before it was known. Um, so, um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Bjorning, I suspect you're right there. Tolkien, veteran of World War I, when troop movements were constrained to roads and railroads, would appreciate Tharbad's importance intimately. Uh, sure, sure. Um, okay, so... We have, we're checking on the movements of Saruman, right? Spies and or armies that he is sending into the north. We're checking on Dol Guldur, clearly. And up towards the Ettenmores. Why do we go to the Ettenmores? Well, that's that's troll country, Aragorn says. That is to say, clearly there are still evil creatures lingering in the north. Now, of course, I know that Lotro players will be like, oh, yeah, man, Angmar is a really dangerous place. Now, much has been invented for the storylines of Lotro, which is not explicitly supported in the text, though little of it explicitly contradicted either. Um, uh, The realm of Angmar, um, you know, kind of mostly reborn that we see in the Lotro plotline, there's no direct evidence for that exactly up there. But again, we know um, that um, uh, there's there are evil creatures up there in the north. Remember, even in the Shire, there were those stories. Remember the stories that Frodo used to go around listening to a lot at the very beginning of chapter two in those days, in those 17 years after Bilbo left and before Gandalf returned, um, when he would always talk to any wanderers who came into the, you know, who came through the Shire, dwarves and such, to get tidings from the outside world. And one of the things that they heard was that um, like trolls had been seen in greater and greater number. Um, and no longer, you know, dull and stupid, but now, you know, but uh, fierce and armed with terrible weapons, right? Remember that? Um, so the Troll Shahs, where we encountered, um, you know, William and, uh, you know, Bert and Tom uh, in The Hobbit, um, is right here. That's our little forest uh, on the map there on the other side of the last bridge. Um, so the Trolls were even in Hobbit time. Um, wandering down this far. Is there going to be... Um, uh, and yes, Bricktails, in the long winter, um, uh, armies came from the north to the Shire. Yes, it is also possible um, exactly who is... Um, yeah, the orc army that attacked Dale and Erebor, Nancy. If you mean the one in the Hobbit, that came from up in the northern Misty Mountains, up here to Mount Gundabad, right? Um, so this northern stretch was where the goblins were living, and they came across and attacked Erebor, which is right off the map, uh, you know, right off my slide, uh, over there to the right. And we were 
we're told that the goblins, you know, the, the goblins of the Misty Mountains have been greatly replenished since the time of the Battle of Five Armies. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely uh, plenty of folks and agreed, Tomas was just going to say that. Um, we know that there are creatures that would freeze Butterbur's blood, um, you know, within a day's march of Bree. So up here, and again, this land which is full of labels of things in the south, right? The place in the map where it says Brandywine Bridge, Chetwood, and Midgewater um, is otherwise blank, right? These are the North Downs. Um, and Fornost is, this is, uh, uh, this is Dead Man's Dyke up here, right? Um, up in the Fornost and even Dim area where, um, uh, which has a very scary reputation in the Breeland, right? So it's clear there are still bad guys up here. The trolls over here, whatever it is that would freeze, um, uh, that would that would freeze Butterbur's blood that lives up here by uh, up up away by Deadman's Dyke. That's haunted land, uh, as Butterbur says, and which sometimes apparently come down into the North Downs uh, close enough to uh, freeze his blood if he knew it. And if the uh, uh, if the the rangers weren't watching him continually, um, so there's plenty of threat up there to the north, despite the fact that Karndoom is itself as a political ent- entity um, no more is 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 no more. But anyway, yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff up here. They seem to be concerned, having gone north along um, the mountains, specifically to the Ettenmoors. We're told. I think they're spying on the trolls and probably the goblins as well. Um, so, all so that's one thing that all of these directions all seem to have in common is that all of them seem to be at least potentially connected to the move, the larger movement of um, of of the enemy, right? Um, uh yeah so now uh Bjorning in exile I agree um that um I agree that the ring of course does have to go south um and it needs it does need to be screened from the enemy so one of the questions they have when they're headed up north you know up to the Ettenmoors they're clearly not scouting a potential route for the company to go Right now, that's um, nor are the dudes who are going all the way down to Tharbad, presumably. Right. Um, So all of those that can't have anything to do with the actual path that the company is going to take. So in that sense, they're not they're not scouting in the sense of um, scouting out the potential route. Right. Um, I think that they are. they're they're doing they're clearly they're doing something else right the ones who are scouting the potential routes are not only Eladon and Elro here who do seem to be scouting Plan A um, but Plan B and C are also clearly in play right um, what if we just go straight across the high pass come out by the Carrick and go down the Anduin all the way right from you know the old Ford south of the Carrick all the way down you know to Rauros right. Or at least to Sarn to Sarn Gebir, um, one could easily uh, um, one could easily do that. Um, that could be one plan, or the Gladden, 
right? Let's go out down to the Gladden and then um, then follow the Anduin down from there. So this makes sense not only of them scouting those passes, but of them trying to figure out how dangerous has that land become? That is, the Anduin River Valley. How dangerous has that valley become? Um, are the... Um, you know, are there are scouts from Dol Guldur really active? Are there armies moving on the plains out there? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Erev Numenor asks, why did no one have trouble with Karathras this time around? Well, that's an interesting question, and we will um, uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but um, anyway, okay. So it seems to be on the table. Anyway for them to travel down the Anduin River Valley, um, either from that northerly pass or from the middle pass. Um, I don't know which one's plan B and which one's plan C, but um, uh, in whatever order, you know, those are, um, um, those are clearly plans B and C, I think. Um, but anyway, the, the dude's up to the north and the dude's going west. Aragorn being one of the dudes, apparently, going west. Um, they're trying to figure out the circumstances, right? Are they likely to be pursued? Um, this also, by the way, would tell them something about what the enemy was waiting to do or suspecting. Remember that they said in the council that they believed the, that they believed that Sa- that Sauron believes that they're going to take it to the sea, right? Their money is that Sauron, as soon as he learns that the ring is at Rivendell, is going to be like, oh man, the elves have it. They're going to totally send it to Valinor, right? He assumes that that's going to be the council's plan A. Um, that they're going to bring it right to him is not going to be his suspicion, you know, what he expects to happen, um, and that they're going to try to destroy it. Gandalf is going to tell us later, is not going to enter into his darkest dreams. Um, By scouting, what are the enemies in the North country doing? And what are any spies and enemies in the West country doing? That is going to help them to understand what the enemy is preparing for. Um, Elrond said that he thought that the path to the sea was fraught with greatest peril. He expects all of the spies that the enemy has to be like in a net right to the west of them to at least detect, if not detain them um, and recapture the ring when they head west with it. So to some extent, exactly, Amethorn, they're trying to figure out what the enemy might or might not know is one of the things that I think they probably could conclude by seeing what the enemy and his servants are doing. Um, you know, if, uh, if the Greenway, you know, down there up in the South Downs, right, um, up by Andrath, south of Bree, if there's a whole bunch of enemies there, you know, if the if the company is going to head south in the way down straight towards Aregion along the 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 you know between the Bruinen and the mountains, this is of course the path that we know they're going to go. Um, and if this is Plan A all along that they're going to head down this way, it doesn't much matter what happens south of Bree, 
Right? I mean, the enemy is not going to, like, suddenly ambush them from way over there. They can't even get there conveniently, right, without having to come all the way down through Tharbad. Like, it's, it's um, I mean, the, the rivers make this journey complicated uh, for the enemy, especially in, in significant numbers. So, again, I don't think that they're scouting north or they're scouting west doesn't seem to me to have very much to do with the party's journey, the planning of the, of the fellowship's journey. I think it has more, um, uh, I think it has more to do with, um, uh, them seeing what the enemy is up to and by observing their movements, guessing how much they know and what actions they are attempting to, uh, take as a consequence of what they're, what they're guessing. Um, it is possible that they've sent out some, um, uh, some doubles. They're engaging in some misdirection. Um, I think that that's possible. Um, at the very least, it does make the fellowship kind of blend in, doesn't it? I mean, there's been a whole bunch of small parties of folks heading out from Rivendell going every which direction right? Uh, crossing the lands hither and yon. Apart from the fact that they have hobbits with them and therefore might be a rather suspect scouting party if anybody got close enough to detect that fact, um, uh, the Fellowship could easily look like just another scouting party, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true, Bart. I suppose it's theoretically possible that they could have, uh, they could have sent out fake hobbits uh, with the other parties, so that they get used to parties of elves from Rivendell in the company of uh, of of hobbits, <laughs> inflatable hobbits. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I <laughs> they could, yeah, they could, they could bring in. Um, uh, yeah, bolsters, exactly as you were suggesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they, they just all ride with a bolster uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a little rug uh, in front of them. It's, um, there it is. Um, and Odo, uh, Chris, exactly, exactly. Um, so, I, but I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. Um I bet you, though, that they did send Gorfindel west. Because I still got to think that uh, if I'm Sauron and I'm thinking they're going to send the ring overseas, my first uh, my first dread has to be um, Glorfindel on his wicked fast horse just heading straight west like a shot. What are they going to do? Who's going to stand up to him? The ringwraiths couldn't stand up to him. Um, you know, not unless maybe all nine of them are together and, uh, you know, that ship has sailed, so to speak. Um, so, um, so yeah, I don't see them stopping Gorfindel um, if he just heads straight out. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, we don't know where Gorfindel went um, 
But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go west. Wouldn't they want to claim it? Yeah, yeah. Um, from Sauron's perspective, he would assume that they would want to claim it. But what would the new Ringlord do? Where would the new Ringlord go? Um, it'd have to head south eventually. But it's not clear to me exactly um, exactly what happens. Um, and Nancy, I agree. If the ring goes west, Sauron wins. Um, unless they can send it into the west and, like, Aule can unmake it, would be, I think, Sauron's only fear there, basically. Um Emily, that's exactly the kind of thinking that we learn later that Sauron is likely to have, that if you declared yourself the new Ringlord, you'd need to go and put down all of your rivals. Um, uh, so maybe you um, you march on Círdan first and then take all of his ships and sail down south, right, and uh, uh, attack. Because uh, it's uh, that, that would obviously be the better way to get to Mordor, right? if you have the ships of Círdan the Shipwright, um, you know, having put him down, Círdan, I mean, as a potential rival, um, you um, you go take all of his ships and then you sail around the south and you come and land, land with a huge intimidating army, uh, you know, down somewhere in Umbar or something and give Sauron some pretty scary flashbacks, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be that would be a method um, for even for a new ring lord to act. Um, but um, now I agree if you're worried about your rivals, you go south to Lorien, but maybe not right away. Um, maybe you consolidate your power a bit first before you take on Galadriel. I'm just saying, I think that Galadriel is the penultimate step of conquest. You know what I mean? Um I'd, uh, exactly. Not the first boss you want to take on. Um, yeah. Or, or and, 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 of course, and Caliborn. Absolutely, right. Um, yeah, yeah. No, Sauron is the final boss. Galadriel would be the penultimate boss. And, but then you, you would want to, you'd want to beef up both your armies and your, um, your own personal consolidation of power first, um, I would think. Um, and yes, Ray Burns, that's a really interesting point. By taking out Cureton, you might gain the new ring lord another elven ring. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, why not? Why not? Um, uh, so yeah, and you could you could decide, Chris, I think, like, especially if you're coming around by sea, you could just leave Saruman high and dry. Like, who's he gonna, you know, who's he gonna scare? from uh, Isengard if you're not cro- if you're trying to cross the gap of Rohan well okay right or even go down south through Gondor then you've got to cope uh, with Saruman um, but if you were a ring lord and particularly cunning you could again if you sailed around to the south you could leave both Saruman and Galadriel high and dry right um uh, and don't sleep on Denethor agreed Belongsbond right yeah you'll want to come in to Gondor Right, consolidate your power base there, and then from there attack Mordor, perhaps. Um, uh, but um, anyway, yeah. So no, there's lots of um, there's lots of there's lots of possible there's lots of potential there for westward movement, even by a new ring lord. 
right? Whether it be Gandalf or whether it be Elrond. Like, let's just say it's Elrond for argument's sake, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Okay, so I think this helps me to make more sense of the purpose of the scouts. They're not just checking the land for spies, though presumably they're doing that. They're not just looking for evidence of the ringwraith still hanging out, though we know they're doing that as well. Um, They're interested in assessing the current state of the larger geopolitical situation, right? Um, Is Sauron advancing from Dol Guldur? What's he doing with the Misty Mountain orcs? Is he sending them down? Should we expect Rivendell to be invaded from the north soon? Right? Is that what's going to be happening here? Um, if so, perhaps that should time when we get the ring the heck out of Dodge, right? Um, uh, is Saruman invading Eriador from the south? He might, he could do that. That's one of his options, right? Um, is that what he's going to do? And of course, now we know that's not actually what he's doing, but it's a potential option for him, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, and so, and, and again, then with uh, Dol Guldur as well. So once they know all those things, then they'll be prepared not only to make an educated decision about what route they should send the ring by, and notice the one that they take, the one that threads the needle, right, the one that goes right down the middle, that avoids Eriador. They're not going to go down Boromir's, they're not going to retrace Boromir's steps, right? Head down through, like, Cardolan of old, right? Hit the Greenway and head south down the Greenway. That would be one potential route, right? They're definitely not doing that. The whole, let's go right, let's bring the ring right past Isengard, puts the kibosh on that without doing too much scouting, I suspect. Um, but still, they decide not to go in that direction. Um they're going sa- they they decide not to cross the river and go down they're they're minimizing in fact the time that they spend in the Anduin River Valley whatever they found there um was not conducive to the ring going so they're not going to go over they're not going to go over the other way they're going to head straight south in between um exactly threading the needle between Dol Guldur and Isengard staying as far as they can from both of those things if we see Isengard and Dol Guldur there they are indeed going to head right down the middle trying to avoid both uh to the greatest extent that they can um yeah yeah um Yeah, um, and you're right, Hrothgar. Um, when Sauron attacked Regian, he came up that way, um, up through the Enidwyth and such. So, yes, it is not a new route um, at all. Um, good. So, um, for Thoughtless, I do think, I think that the ones who went north are looking at Angmar and Gundabad. They only went as far as the Etten Moors, um, but I think that they, my sense is that's the whole reason to go that way, is like if if they're mobilizing Gundabad and Angmar, um, they'll probably be able to see it from the Etten Moors, um, which are clearly, they're called Moors, 
uh, not mountains, but um, it's clearly high land, right? So from there, they should be able to get some glimpse of, like, are things mobilizing on this side of the mountains? Um, how much do they have to worry about from the goblins up there? Um, so I think that that's... Um, uh, I, th- I think that they are kind of covering uh, the north up there. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. I think that mostly does it. Radagast. Where's Radagast? Why isn't Radagast home? <laughs> Bart is very worried about Radagast. Um, Tessa, yeah, he's never mentioned again either. Um, it does say the old home of Radagast. He doesn't live there anymore? The fact that they go out of their way to say Radagast was not there suggests that there is at least the possibility that he might have been there, right? Um, When last we saw Radagast, we might as well go back to the map, he was south of Bree, right? Um, Remember Gandalf looped down... I don't know if he went all the way to Sarnford. He did go to Sarnford, didn't he? So when Gandalf left Frodo, he went down to um, and crossed over at Sarnford and then went back up the Greenway, right? Um, so he met Radagast somewhere around in through here, right? Um, yeah, Nahor, that's what I'm wondering if it's his old home in the sense of being his previous home or in the sense of being his long-term home, right? Like, you know, ah, it's the old home of Radagast, right? He's been there forever so long. It is possible um, that uh, it is possible that he it, that, that that's what it means, right? That it is his home, home from of old, right? Um, but um, but anyway, so he Radagast was last seen turning and herring off down the Greenway South, right? And Gandalf says, "Hey, uh, tell the birds and beasts who are your friends, right? Where does Radagast end up? Um, well, we know that he ends up in touch with the eagles, right? Um, uh, he, he, he's in." Yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows exactly where he's going to talk to his bird and beast friends. Um, but um, he uh, he was originally going to report to Saruman. But I don't know that he was like actually heading back to Isengard originally before Gandalf said, hey, uh, um, go send your bird friends and find out. Um, I think that he... 
must have been headed to the Misty Mountains. And so one could wonder why he was headed. Didn't he head south? Didn't he turn around and head? Maybe he turned around and headed to the north. Darn it. I got to go back to the text then. Because Gandalf is actually coming up from the south. Trying to figure out, did we get a reference to JJ or somebody else with the electronic text? Somebody look up that paragraph and paste it in for me, for me. can you, into the comments? Um, okay. I myself shall turn back at once. Okay, great, Matt. But but where? Uh, earlier on, like in the in the um, in the encounter. Um, okay, right. In his tale, okay, right, great. Uh, Brick Tales is reminding us that uh, in his story in the Council, Gandalf calls him Radagast the Brown, who at one time dwelt at Rosgobel, near the borders of Mirkwood. That would suggest that old uh, home of Radagast does mean former home. That, like, he used to live in Rosgobel before the neighborhood, you know, went downhill, basically. With the rise of Dol Guldur again and, like, things of darkness spreading through Mirkwood, um, you know, he's... Like, property values went down so badly uh, down in southern Mirkwood um, that he just he just had to, to, to up stakes and leave, right? Um, that does suggest that. Um... Okay. It says he would have ridden straight off as if the nine were after him. Okay, but more, I, I, want, to, I want the beginning. The beginning of their conversation. I turned east and north. Right, so I turned east and north and journey along the greenway. So he's, Gandalf is heading north towards Bree along the greenway. Not far from Bree, I came upon a traveler sitting on a bank beside the road. Okay. He's sitting on a bank beside the road. So we don't see him coming. Right? Okay. Um, nor do we know the direction that he's herring off. In the, it, it, we don't, he goes to ride off really fast. But we don't know whether it's north or south. Um, interesting. Flamifer says... Um, Gandalf says, I could not follow him then and there to Isengard, presumably. So yes, I agree that does suggest that he headed south. Um, yep, yep, okay. Does that mean that Radagast was headed to Isengard? Possibly. Does that mean that he got to Isengard? I don't think so. He definitely at least makes a stop on the way to Isengard. Um, because he finds Gwai here and sends Gwai here. And Gwai here lives up here, up by the Carrick, right? Where is Radagast going? I mean, look, doubtless he's got bird contacts 
down there, right? Uh, you know, yeah, I, I doubt he made it to, to Isengard. Nor does Saruman, in his reference to Radagast, seem to expect him to return, right? His purpose with Radagast was to send Radagast out to deliver that message to Gandalf. Um, yeah. I gotta think he's headed back to Mirkwood too, but I gotta think he's headed the wrong direction. Now, he was never a traveler. Um... Because there is no good road, I guess in theory, from here, depending on how far, because we don't know exactly how far south he is, right? Um, Gandalf crosses at Sarnford and heads north up the Greenway towards Bree when he meets. So they somewhere you know, like around Androth, somewhere in here in this pass through the South Downs is where Gandalf and Radagast meet. He, it seems to me much faster for him to head north, head straight out, straight out the Dwarf Road, past Rivendell, over the High Pass, and straight into Mirkwood, just like those other scouts went. Um, that seems to me the fastest way to get back to Mirkwood, if that's where he's going. But maybe not. Maybe if you're sufficiently far south... You head down the greenway to Tharbad, cross at Tharbad, and then head up the Glanduin and cross over the Dimril Stair there and head off. I mean, that would be, I guess, even a straighter way to get to the greater Roscobel area. The ways of wizards are mysterious, and we don't know what he did, but I've got to think... Keep in mind the gap of time as well. Gandalf, after he separates from Radagast, Gandalf heads north to Bree, writes his undelivered letter, then goes south all the way on foot, as far as I can tell, to Isengard, right, down here in the Gap of Rohan, is imprisoned for a month, right, some time, right, um, and then that's when Gwaihir gets there. What time is it? Uh, somebody remind me. Um, uh, Appendix B. When is Gandalf imprisoned? When does Gandalf arrive? I know it's mid-year's day when they meet. Um when, do, when does he arrive in, in, in Isengard? Gandalf. When does Gandalf arrive? How much time passes there? Okay, it's July 10th. Okay, July 10th. Um, so it's... Um, we've got at least, what, six to eight weeks between Gandalf and Radagast's meeting... And, yeah, it's a couple months. A couple months. Right, two months he's imprisoned there. 
So what was the calendar date? Mid-year's day? Beginning of July, right? Um, okay. So it's like two and a half months, basically, we're looking at. Um, uh, yeah, you're right, Flamfer. He does have a horse. He's not on foot. Okay. All right. So, right, right, between the end of June and beginning of July, exactly. So we've got, call it two and a half months between when Gandalf and Radagast meet and when Gwaihir shows up. So he's got lots of time to travel. I've got to think that, um, and they're collecting news first. So Radagast eventually meets up with the Eagles. When he meets up with the Eagles, he asks the Eagles very nicely if they would scout around, right? And they see many things in Rohan and, uh, and other places, right? Um, uh, Mirkwood, right? All over the place. Okay. Um, so, and yes, Erev Numenor, I agree. Um, Gandalf seems to assume that Radagast is not returning to Isengard because he tells him to send news to Gandalf and Saruman at Isengard, right? Um, so if, you know, Radagast is just going to be, you know, getting there two days before him, there would be no point in doing that. So, yeah. Okay, so... Even if we assume... Let's assume it takes a full... Let's take... Let's assume that it takes a full um, uh, two weeks for the Eagles to scout around, get back to Radagast, and then um, kind of for Gwai here to kind of pool the information that the Eagles have gathered and set off flying down to Isengard to tell Gandalf and, and Saruman, right? Okay, so... I, that's I, I, it's hard for me to think that the eagles would take more than two weeks because they can fly. That's relatively fast. So, um, but let's give him two weeks. Right, give him two weeks for that. That means he's still got two months to find Gwaihir. Radagast does from where he departs from Gandalf. Um, and we don't know what other business he's got going on. Remember, you know, uh, Saruman sent him on this errand, right, on this journey that he hadn't been planning on taking. Radagast hadn't been planning on taking. He had presumably some other irons in the fire at the time, right? So he's going to go and uh, uh, figure out... Uh, he, he may have other things that he's attending to as well. Um, how long does it take to find the eagles? How long does it take to get to where they are? Are they up there at the high pass or are they... Is he somewhere? Does he know? I mean, I don't know where Gwaihir lives. Maybe Gwaihir doesn't live with the other eagles up there. Maybe Gwaihir lives somewhere else. Uh, and Bradigas knows where that is, right? No idea. No idea. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right. But that makes sense. It does give him, Radagast, plenty of time 
even if he's going south, crossing by Tharbad, and then heading over to the Misty Mountains from there. And he might have reasons for that. There might be presumably lots of burdens, birds and beasts known to Radagast in this area. Now, um, fun little transitional observation. Um, you guys, many of you who play The Lord of the Rings online will remember that fairly early on in gameplay, you meet Radagast. They place Radagast temporarily out in the Lone Lands, right? Out here in the Lone Lands, um, uh, you know, some seeing to some issues that are developing over here. That strikes me actually as perfectly plausible, actually. Um, again, especially if he does end up kind of looping around in this direction, heading back towards, um, and we don't know, for all we know, he just doesn't want to cope through Brie. Maybe he's going to go back south around the South Downs and then cut across Cardolan um, and head up in this direction. Um, so it is very possible that he uh, um, could go through this area and that he would have other business of his own to attend to on the way. What could be likelier than that, right? Um, so anyway, um, that's... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, where is he heading? Now, I, I, I have no idea, Cook, if he would actually want to go that way. I was just saying that actually I think it's um, the route that they, the apparent route that they give to Radagast in, uh, in The Lord of the Rings Online strikes me as plausible. Plausible. All right. Okay, um, with that, it's like now I didn't expect our Radagast deliberations to take quite this long. Um, but it would make a little bit of sense of him not being at Ross Goble, especially if he doesn't even live there anymore. Um, uh, but uh, if he's got other stuff to do and anyway, he's off. Um, by that time, he's already talked to the Eagles. What's he still up to now? Um, still talking to the Eagles? Who knows what Radagast is up to? Um, but um, anyway, okay. I agree, Amethorn. Radagast does get short shrift. I don't mind also taking a little time uh, for Radagast here. Um, but um, anyway, okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for our uh, text and map discussion here today. Um, we will be back next week uh, when we uh, learn more about the reports that the scouts bring uh, from their various um, uh, from their various. Uh, the, the, their various directions. Um, so I will see you guys next week, and it is field trip time. Good evening. Good evening, Valori. How are you? I like all the conversations about fake hobbits. We're sitting there like they get like bootleg Russian hobbits. They're just <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean there there are only there are only four bootleg Russian hobbits. I guess some of the extras from the uh, party at the beginning could be around, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, uh, there's some uh, some low-level people here. I cannot guarantee your safety. Yes, uh, definitely. Saying that up front. Definitely not guaranteed. Now we never did find a milestone, did we? No, we did not. No, I think we found a stable master. Yeah, so we're just going to stable master it up uh, again towards the greater. Um, uh, 
the greater. Good. You know, what is it? Gundabad. That's where we're headed. The greater Gundabad that's area. Right, that's right. Yep. Right. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm just like marveling at uh, looking at Lotro, the Lotro screen and being able to read the text without squinting. Because <laughs> I'm wearing my glasses. Yeah, 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 I get right. that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, uh, uh, Jordan, I did think about using the in-game map uh, for the text discussion. I decided to go with the um, uh, the book map. I should probably mount a horse, shouldn't I? Uh, with a book map because um, I... I just yeah I just I wanted to stick a little closer to Tolkien's map because of course there are a bunch of things on the Lotro map that are part of the uh you know the subcreation that the Lotro folks have been doing um uh you know and all the, the things that they've added to the story and I didn't want to confuse anything with those so that's why I um that's why I didn't, but I was tempted because I can zoom in more and kind of rove around a little bit better on the in-game map, but uh, um, yeah. Okay, let's see. We are going to Elder Slade's Drangle. Elder so Slade, Anakurfu first. Yeah. Yep. And then Drangle, I believe. It's that mm-hmm. little one we find in Hathrock. Oh, that's right, because we did find a new stable master. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of a suggestive ruin, as I recall. Yes. Well, I do like me a map. I like maps as much as uh, Frodo and Bilbo like to have maps. They're why I like maps so much. Yeah, maybe. Well, I remember the first map I had prominently displayed was a map of Middle Earth from the War in Middle Earth computer game. Okay. Immediately had no luck in playing whatsoever, but it came with a really cool map. Right, right. Okay, Drangol is where we're headed, not to Zudramdan, which is where we were last time. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's the next. Drangol is is this time. That's the new one that we found at the very end. Okay. Cool. Okay. I love it when you have to go down this excruciatingly windy path <laughs> up like to and back from. Yeah, I, God, I don't have to. Boy, when I was taking um, slow goats in Moria, oh, I man. like could not even look at the screen. Like I actually had to like turn away or shut my screen off. Um, I got so motion sick watching those slow goats go around those circuitous yep, paths. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right. Well, I think I agree that we are up close and personal with what looks like what this looks like the diamonds from the spires. So let's let's go around and sneak a peek at Gundabad again. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. The stripes are, are even the same. We can even show, okay, so from here, we can identify three, I think three, three different classes of Gundabad spires. 
we've got the big, fat, tall spire in the middle, right? Yeah. Well, not in the middle, but left of middle. Yeah. And then you've got the skinnier spires. Both of these are lined with the with those diamonds all the way up and down, right? Yeah. Both of them have um, the vertical, the dark vertical stripes behind the diamonds. The differences are the proportions. Like, notice how much uh, bumpier the little one on the right is. The smaller one on the right, I should say. Um, that is, the diamonds look like they're almost the same size as the bigger one, but they cover a bigger percentage of the of the area right on the side. Yes. yes. Um, and those seem to be the same as the spires that we see down on the, you know, on the mezzanine level down in front here. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, Gundabad Spire Mark III, which are the no diamond, except I guess the one diamond in the base of the spire. Chrysler building looking ones. And another one up at the top, it looks like, yes. There are diamonds up at the top and there are diamonds down at the bottom, but the the spires themselves are not studded with diamonds. Yeah. I wonder, though, here's, here's what I'm wondering. Um... Are those in progress? Look at the bottom ones that have scaffolds around them, right? I yes. wonder if they've just been installing new diamonds on the sides of these, and the top ones are going to get them, but they haven't worked up there yet. Oh, yeah. You, you got to diamonds every couple millennia. Well, yeah, you, you yeah, you, you got to redo it. I mean, anyway, like this place was in the hand of, you know, the orcs and the Angmarim. And so, you know, who knows what they did with the diamonds. Now, I say diamonds. Of course, I mean the diamond shapes, not like actual gems. Somebody um, liked that shape. Okay. So the first thing I want to do is I want to get up here. And I want to take a closer look at the diamonds, because this is clearly what we're seeing. This is definitely one of those spires. We can see the same vertical oh. lines. It's really interesting in that it's so much, we can see that there's much more texture than from the distance it looks like, right? We get that like yeah. interwoven effect, even on the, you know, the, the sort of uh, turquoise blue, dark turquoise inside of the diamonds there, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's you're, definitely work. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got also that kind of uh, that same kind of uh, notice there's almost that like three dimensional like weaving sense that it gives. Right. Even though it is clearly only a two dimensional, like it's just a facade, but yet it, yeah. it gives the impression of depth right to the the blue in the middle of those diamonds and in the stripes. Yeah, it it it, it has uh, the the gradients give it, that, but it is also very it is three dimensional. It does stick out a bit. Yeah, it it works with it. But, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it does. It, yeah, right. It's it's like the the pointy bits are concave, is what you or convex. Uh, the, convex, yeah, the middle's yeah, convex. Was what I meant to say. It's, yes, it's a very shallow triangular. Right, prism. it's a, they're pyramidal. In fact, the diamonds, the individual diamonds, are pyramidal. Yes, yes. Um, what the stone in the middle is the white one? What if that was something more valuable that got nicked? Oh, like in the very center? In the very center? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
looks just like plain stone, but that would be a weird place to just have plain stone, even if it is. It does. Yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe it did get stolen. And yes, um, Emily, as you were pointing out, we can see on the inside of the tower, they're definitely not windows. They are merely external decorations. So they're just like very large doodads. Yeah, well spotted. Put on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a door here. Yeah, JJ is wondering if the thing in the middle uh, shows how they were affixed, right? Mm. So, so what, JJ, you think that's a rivet in the middle or something like that? Now, here's my other question. <laughs> right. Here's my other question. What was I standing on? Was this a statue? Oh, yeah. This is the top part of the statue that fell over. You pointed out the feet last week. Where are the feet? Oh. Yeah, there's the feet. The Ozymandias okay. feet, yeah. Right, Ozymandias. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we've got um, the dwarf Ozymandias. Where'd he go? There he is. The dwarf Ozymandias there. Um, and the rest of his statue. Look at this cruciform diamond here. Have we seen this cross before? Um, it's a totally different color than the blues in the uh, hmm. the blues in the in like, the spire over there. Is it? it, it I can't tell whether it's a, a decoration or if it's just like an interesting cross section. It looks like it was part of the statue. Like it? Yeah, it looks like it was like part of the haft or the head of the axe. Maybe. It's very strange. Nothing else seems to be colored on here. Yes. Is this a nose? This is not his nose, is it? That I was just yeah. sliding off of? That's uh, too big to be his nose. His beard? his beard? Because we're on his, this is his breastplate back here. So either it's his beard or he thought. Oh right, this is his. Right, this is his. Like I'm standing on his sternum right now. I think right? that, actually no. I think this is a separate rock here. This guy. Yeah, because no, isn't this his? chest and the two arms yeah i think it's his beard then right so this would be the beard then sticking down right okay. yeah okay where's saganoth saganoth says he found the face down oh. there oh yeah there's his face <laughs> okay Oh, yeah, his yeah, yeah. hat or crown? If he was wearing a crown. Definitely a crown. Must be Durin then. So this would be Durin? Makes sense. In which so and his he's cut off like right below the bottom lip. Like even his whole chin isn't there. So that would seem if we then take that head and we we glue it up here. Yeah. No, not up here. Up over there. Yeah. Oh. The proportions still don't seem to work. And the head doesn't seem to be in proportion with that torso. Hmm. Maybe there'll be an intact one somewhere we can compare it yeah, to. Yeah, maybe we can compare it. In which case, I'm going to definitely be looking for this little cruciform square, because that's really very yeah. interesting. It does look like it's the top or the bottom of the, the, the axe, whether it's the haft or the head. Right. Uh, there's the door over here that we can open, by the way. 
is there really? Well, hang on a second. Let me go up by uh, um, Ozymandias Durin's feet. Do we have to go all the way around this way? Or on the left-hand side here? Just checking. Flagstones, don't see any. Other plain stones. Guess we can probably get around this way. Okay, yeah, here's the feet. Oh, interesting. We've got the interlocking rings. Mm -hmm. The copper-looking ones. Yeah, and that's got to make you wonder the date of this statue, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it obviously looks old. But the, if it was copper, it'd be green, unless they have some sort of technique we don't know about, which, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. Right, which is possible. But the stonework here, the pedestal of the statue, looks very similar to the dwarf ruins we've been seeing all along the river. The Anduin, mm -hmm. I mean, as we've been yeah, heading the north. Yeah, the rings and the knotwork here. It could be a newer statue, but newer when? I mean, Gundabad would have fallen some time ago and only been lately recovered from goblins, right? Yeah. And this is still... Where are we? This is an inlet... Yes, looks yeah. like. Okay. We're over here, despite where the green dot is. We're up here. So this is one of the... We're near the source of the Anduin. Is one of these things the sources of the Anduin? Officially labeled as the source of the Anduin? I don't know. Although, hmm. Karbronach is the only place that's named. Yeah. Is that but the name of the river, or is that just the but name of the But we can't go the there, right? That's not... I don't think we can go there. doesn't exist yet? But no. it is suggestively named, as if it shall be sometime. But, you know, the really tantalizing thing about that is they'd have to go off the map, wouldn't they? Yeah. To do a region north of Gundabad? Yeah. Yeah, well, way up on the Withered... Table master map for the next expansion. Yeah, way mm -hmm. up onto the Withered Heath. Blasted <laughs> But I guess we have some room up here if they do. So they got an Ariador map and a Rovanian map. I guess there'd have to be a Foradwaith map, wouldn't there? Mm, I guess. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. But this is me getting distracted. Um, yeah, back to the feet. I don't see any of the colored stone anything like that cruciform square. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. Maybe, it's a different, maybe there's two different statues. You did say the scale didn't add up. Maybe. Maybe it is two different statues. That'd be a little odd, but... Okay, wow. This is a great view of that Angmarim encampment that we did not enter. Yeah, with that greasy purple metal on it. And yeah. yeah. Beautiful... Halloween mood lighting. Yep, and the metal spiky bits, the metal uh, fish hooks that yeah, fish hooks. Suge I suggest the new Angmarim. Huh. But it's got the old Angmarim walls. 
around the outside of it. Oh, we've seen them re-inhabit old places quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So those are the dwarf ruins. Two of the dwarf ruins. Two of those dwarf towers. Yeah. Down there. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Big shiny door. I'm looking at the tops of the spires because all of the ones, all of the spires, spire C, right? The ones without the diamonds mm-hmm. or only the top and bottom diamonds have those little nubby tops, right? Yep. Um, if there were only one or even maybe two of them, I would think them perhaps unfinished. Again, like we're still going to, you know, go up and rivet the, 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 you know, diamonds, the diamonds. Yeah, onto yeah. the sides of those. Um, but the tops are identical everywhere. It looks like they're finished and designed to be nubby like that. Yeah. The fact that they're all consistent does imply that this is a design choice and not a, not a work in progress. Exactly. Um, which leads me to believe that those are finished, in fact, um, mm-hmm. because the ones with the um, so again, if uh, if the big huge one, we call the big huge one spire design A, right, and we call the smaller one with the, um, the with the diamonds that stick out more on the side, right, the proportionally larger diamonds for well, really proportionally smaller spire, smaller spire. With the same size diamonds. yeah. Um, that's uh, we call that spire design B. The ones without yep. the diamonds or with fewer diamonds are, are C. So, all of the ones that are in renovation down at the bottom mm-hmm. are all B's. Yes, I can see that. Not C's at all, and you can tell by the tops, right? You can tell by the 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 the, the spire extensions on the top that those are B's, not C's, because they don't have the little nubby ones. Now, JJ points out that the diamonds at the top are on a different tier from the bottom. Um, Yes, whereas the others have diamonds on the same tier, plus the base. Exactly, right. Yeah, no, it's just quite different. In fact, so different that the ones at the top are not even diamonds. Those are triangles, inverted triangles. At the top of the spire on the the, the C spires? Yeah, that was the part that made me think Chrysler building. <laughs> yeah, the downward pointed triangle there. Yeah. And those... That one's got the more Art Deco dwarven feel to it than the other. And darn if those don't look like windows halfway down, like little slit windows. The two yeah. vertical slits that we can see on the... I suppose they would need some real windows with all the fake ones. Right. Okay, this one over here on the side is a little closer. Could be, could be windows. Oh, yeah, that one fell over there. Yeah, that one definitely looks like a sea spire that fell down over there. Maybe. Maybe. But that makes this one that we were just looking at down here by the river. That makes this a... B? Uh, I'd say... I don't or know. Or is it an A? Maybe it might be an A because the diamonds don't extend beyond the... Yes. Let's see. Where, where on the blue lines did the A's come out? Um, hmm. It is hard to, hard say. to say. 
Because both of them come right to the thing. edge of the blue. Yeah. The I outer edges of the blue. Yeah. The, I think the blue stripes are the same distance. It's just the outside of the blue stripes that is different, depending whether it's an A or a B. Yes, the distance from the edge of the blue to the edge of the spire is greater yeah. for the A's. So the spire itself is wider, yes. Yeah. In but which case, I, I, I think it looks more A-ish. I really do. Yeah, it might be A. Yeah, unless there's a fourth kind of spire we did. Which is that. weird because there seems to be only the one A spire upstanding. Yeah. I wonder where the other one would be. I don't know. We'll have to look for a, a base that could be that could fit that. Maybe they, maybe this it's like a matryoshka doll, and the inside each of the spires is a little Durin. <laughs> maybe. Maybe okay. Hang on. Let's um, we should go before too long. But uh, you said there was a door. It's down here. Down by the uh, stable master. Right by the step. Whoop. Yep. Right where I broke my ankle. Right here. Oh, uh, and someone is dead. Can someone help that? Because I I cannot help that. I'm. A oops. Yes, we've had a casualty. Was is this a jumping down oh, off the cliff casualty? It's our level thirty friend, but we can at least try to revive her. Oh yeah. Okay. No, they oh, won't be able to revive them here. It's too high level. Uh, yeah, right. it's still courteous to send them on their way, though. That's true. All right. Oh, your stronghold. Okay. All right. Hey, is there a milestone in here? Uh, Constantly looking for a new milestone. Not finding yeah. one ever. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we're, we, we've gone two steps from the actual stable master. So. That's true. I think we're kind of stuck with that. But look at the look at the little columns. They got diamonds on them. Yeah. Oh, and mm. uh, there's a there's a marking over here, almost like a snowflake. The bottom here. Oh, yeah, we've seen that. And the sort of August ruin looking spiral yes. shapes yeah yeah you, yeah you've seen it where did you see it was that further further up we saw it we saw it by one of the bridges i think i don't recall this i remember suns there was a sun motif but i don't think i've seen a snowflake motif Unless we I definitely saw it yeah we definitely saw it and it was relatively recently hmm. it is possible it's one of the ones i missed yeah, so we can see in the vaulting arches, we can see the what is clearly identical, um, yes, identical blue striping patterns, right? Mm -hmm. um, just like on the spires. Yep. We do see that diamond pattern within the larger base of these pillar of these you know pilasters here. Yeah, yeah. We. This looks like an aqueduct or a vaulting. That's yeah, the snowflake and the little swirly face thing. Um, we've seen in other places. Um, you think the orange accents on the spires outside were these snowflake motifs? It's possible, it's possible, 
But we can see, therefore, some continuity between, as you'd expect, if Gundabad was built by Durin and the followers of Durin, that there would be some, you know, design features that would carry over from here to Moria and then from Moria to Erebor and Ered Luin. Though the Longbeardian style, so in the, uh, um, you know, in the post-Thorin period in Ered Luin, you know, that's the newest species of Longbeard architecture. True. And it looks... Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Because we're so up north. With the di- the snowflakes, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, you'd think it would be pretty cold up here. Um, yeah, that plaque, Jordan. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I'm talking about. The swirly face thing. That's what, just what I mean. Yeah. And we have seen okay. that before. We've seen that on the base of bridges, some of the bridges over the Anduin in some of the bases there. We've seen it I don't know if we'll see it in Moria. That'd be a good question to find out. Yeah. It will be interesting to... We'll be traveling through Moria before too long. With the curving lines, it's definitely something where they took a soft metal and they're they're beating curvy lines into it rather than Mm -hmm. the other stuff that looks like carved stone. Yeah, yeah probably copper okay so this is just a little carve out here there's nothing else no it looks like a refuge I think yeah so what this was is hard to tell uh it looks like a lot of glass right I'm just thinking of where yeah it does I'm just trying to think of what this like in Gundabad days like in the heyday of Gundabad what this used to be maybe something like a, a servant's entrance it kind of like a, like stables could have been down here and yeah stables would be likely this far from the main entrance or maybe some sort of uh, right and while you like right ride up, up to the main gate or walk we up to right the main up by gate the river and the waterfall it might have something to do with that as well true yeah Jordan was saying a boathouse down by the river yeah yeah maybe so there's like a an underground route to get down to here and then come out. So I'm trying to like imagine I'm going out the door. Some and kind of freshwater maintenance system. Here I am. Okay, assuming that there's not ruins right here, you come out right next to the right next river. To this would be a good source of fresh water. Yeah. Yeah. True. Maybe yeah, fish. A waterfall right there. Maybe this is where they had all their fish drying. Yeah. Now there's other sources of water because they've got other rivers flowing right through the city. So they wouldn't need to bring water from all the way down here. But fishing, presumably. I mean, you've got that big, huge waterfall and stuff. So maybe from down here. Well, we've got another waterfall just south of here. Maybe it's a guardhouse. Wouldn't wouldn't exactly want to put boats in to head south from here into the lake. No, it's water, too. It is deep water. Yeah. Deep, fast water. Yeah, it'd be a very short trip. Yeah. What is that? Garbage. Refuse pile? Yeah. Well, I know the orcs like to do that with their garbage. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, next time we will continue up towards 
going to bat itself. Um, I plan to stay here until we head down into Holland uh, in the text, which we, we still should be several weeks away from. So uh, we'll see. When, of course, we go down into Holland, we'll head into Eregion. <clears throat> we might even have to interrupt this area and come back to it when we're... Um, because it won't take us nearly so long to explore a Regan as it will take us to get through the whole rest of the chapter. <laughs> but, um, okay. Anyway, cool. All right, well, um, standing here on this trash heap, I suppose, I should uh, let everybody go. Thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight. Uh, fun field trip, speculating about uh, making these closer observations and uh, uh, discerning some of the patterns so we can explore further as we continue our our, our views of of gone of uh, not Gondaman. Did I say Gondaman before? Weird. Gone to bad is what I mean. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.